Hello, are you ready to tune into some tunes? Our mission at Note by Note is to educate you on the who, what, when, where, why's, and how's about music. I'm Vaishnavi, and welcome to the show. Now, today is our first ever episode. Isn't that exciting? Each episode, we're going to be delving into something new about music. From contemporary to prehistoric times, from fundamentals to minutiae, and we're going to make it all accessible to everyone. So let's begin. Today, we're going to be tackling something that's worked plenty of controversy among different artists in the music industry. That's right, the dreaded autotune. Now, that song is 7-Eleven by Beyonce. One of the best-selling artists in the entire world and Billboard's top female artist of the decade in the 2000s. And she's won that right with her impressive vocal cords. But in this song, she uses autotune. Why? The short answer is that autotune in music at its core is an art form, and the long answer is something we're going to delve into in a moment. For the past decade or so, autotune has received a bad rap because of how it's been cited as a means for singing without even trying, with the software itself adjusting your notes for you, and as such is associated with being used by people who have no musical talent. This couldn't be farther from the truth. In professional music settings, autotune is actually used far more often than you think, and has helped revolutionize the industry, especially in hip-hop and rap. But to get a better understanding of the history of vocal modifications in songs, we need to travel back a few decades. Let's go. The year is 1938, World War II is on the brink of reality, and everyone is well aware of the tension hanging in the air. We set our scene at Bell Telephone Laboratories, where Homer Deadly, an acoustic engineer, has invented the world's first electronic voice synthesizer, known as the vocoder. The purpose of this device was to lower the frequency of the transmission of audio, allowing telephones back in the day to get your messages across without using as much copper wire, the traditional material for telephone cables. Increased efficiency allowed for more long-distance calls something the military immediately jumped on in the upcoming war. The vocoder was put to use in a 1943 voice encryption system that was used to scramble and unscramble classified messages in World War II. Forward to a few years after the war, in 1948, and German scientist Werner Meyer Epler publishes a paper called Electronic Music and Synthetic Speech, becoming one of the first to propose the idea that voice modulation could be used to create music. He later founded the studio for electronic music in Cologne, Germany, the first ever of its kind, igniting a creative spark throughout the world. Fast forward again to 1970, after several trial and error attempts to make music with vocoders, and musicians Robert Moog and Wendy Carlos have done it. A device that can split apart sound into 10 different bands of frequency and play the split tunes together to create a robotic voice. The 70s took full advantage of it in hits such as Electric Light Orchestra's Mr. Blue Sky. 
telephone signal efficiency to wartime encryption to electro-rock. The vocoder has been reborn many times, but no one could have guessed the origins of its spiritual successor, Autotune. Its creator, Andy Hildebrand, worked in the oil industry, of all things, in the 1970s and 80s before turning to music. In the 80s, Hildebrand developed mathematical models to map the layers below the Earth's surface, sending sound waves into the Earth, then recording their reflections to determine what lies underneath before drilling, much like a dolphin or a bat uses echolocation to see the world around it. It's with this same program that he started his new project in 1991, where he founded the company Antares Audio Technology. See, Hildebrand's original work helped detect the pitch of seismic waves within the Earth. Now he wanted to find a way to detect and adjust pitches in singing. Here's how it works. You input the desired notes for the song, and once you feed in a voice to the program, it takes the parts where the voice and the notes don't quite match up, and adjusts the voice's notes to match the song's notes. So normally, autotune is only used for and was only meant to be used for minor touch-ups and to make the final product sound more polished. And then everything changed on a fateful day in 1998. That's Cher's song, Believe which ended up being the number one hit song in the United States in 1999. And it was a pioneer in the artistic use of autotune in music. The industry was changed forever. I need Warbly noise you hear is caused by a setting in Autotune's program known as retune speed. The higher the retune speed, the more Autotune considers the sliding range between two different notes. Say you hit a C, then hit an F. Adjustments would be made accordingly to consider the notes D and E in between, so the transition between the notes doesn't sound unnatural. So, in a stroke of genius or just pure curiosity, Believe's producer Mark Taylor set the retune speed to zero. Thus, the notes were corrected at an unnaturally fast pace, eliminating something inherent to the human voice, known as portamento, or our natural ability to slide through different pitches as we hit different notes across the scale. The result was something that was fragmented and extreme, yet only augmented the power behind the song's message of moving on after a difficult breakup. And Cher loved it too, when her record label asked her to remove the autotune effect from the final song, she reportedly said, over my dead body. The use of deliberate vocal distortion after Believe was released became known as the Cher effect. However, the use of autotune in the world of hip-hop goes by a different name. The T-Pain effect. That was the song I'm Sprung by Fahim Rashid Nejem, better known by his rapper name, T-Pain. 
He revolutionized the use of autotune in hip-hop, and especially in rap, with his 2005 debut album, Rappa Turt Sanga. Now, hip-hop has always been a special genre. Its very roots are in experimentation and composing music outside of the typical song mold. It's a powerful medium of expression, originating from the poor neighborhoods of Blacks and Latinos in New York. The genre has always played around with sound, inventing effects such as the record scratch, beatboxing, and even using our old friend the vocoder in older hits such as Mantronix's Needle to the Groove. So while autotune was used elsewhere in the music industry to make music sound professional and polished, artists like T-Pain used it for the exact opposite reason, to give music a grittier, urban texture as a form of creative expression, adding a different layer of complexity to music. But now, in the post-autotune revolution world, overt use of the program has become the norm. In fact, in 2009, just four years after T-Pain's debut, indie rock band Death Cab for Cutie showed up at the Grammys sporting blue ribbons pinned to their outfits. Like, autotune was some sort of disease to raise awareness over, and claimed that good musicians were being affected by voice manipulation. Many other musicians did join this unlikely movement, notably Christina Aguilera and Jay-Z, but it never truly took off. Autotune is as prevalent as ever today, and that's something important to take away from a discussion like this. Music will always continue to be manipulated. Music itself is a manipulation of sound. From notes to lyrics to splicing together recordings, music has never been a happy accident. It's a form of art, and any technique surrounding it requires skill. The problem is an autotune itself. It's not knowing that what truly makes its usage engaging is when there's a purpose behind it. In the right hands, the tool has incredible diversity and helps artists get the stories behind their songs across in a multitude of ways. Remember how the use of autotune in Cher's Believe was to exaggerate the emotions felt by a breakup? Stay with me here. Let's listen to it one more time. Now listen to this. That's Britney Spears' Womanizer, a 2009 song shortly following her 2008 breakdown, and using the program left her voice flat, jaded and dehumanized almost, to match the trauma the pop industry and celebrity culture had put her through growing up. It served as her comeback single, and returned to the music industry, but not without giving out a warning that she's not innocent and will call you out for exploitation of women. So, if anything, technologies like autotune and the stories behind their conception bring to light that you can find musical creativity in the most unlikely of places. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening.
All sound clips used in the show are for nonprofit educational purposes in compliance with a fair use section of the Copyright Act. Thanks for tuning in, tell your friend what you've learned, and come back next time to Note by Note.